So, it's election time in Ontario. This is not 1990, and I am certainly not Bob Ray. They don't trust the NDP. Businesses, Bob, are terrified. I'm really genuinely sorry that more people don't like me. And while there are a variety of conversations happening amongst the various parties, the voters and Ontarians in general, there is a more specific conversation happening amongst Muslims on whether or not voting is actually Islamically permissible. Let's get into it. From the Islamic Institute of Toronto, you're listening to the IT Podcast Hour. Assalamu alaikum and welcome. My name is Mamun Hassan. Every election season, mosques are filled with this question. A quick search online gives you this. It's okay to endorse a candidate who has views that are different from your views if it's for a greater good, but it's not okay to endorse his views. The view that says that voting in a secular democratic system, in a system that will not implement Islam, that does not implement Islam, to vote for anybody to become a legislator in such a system is something that Islam forbids. And honestly, if we vote for this, we are participating, we are supporting in these heinous crimes. That is a bold statement, yes. And like voting, I said, you know, voting. I mean, I, I have a real problem with voting um, personally, but I didn't, I mean, I was like against voting before I became Muslim. And the Muslims there know that if they vote or do not vote, this would not change a thing because they are so minimum in their number and they have no impact on the voting system. In this case, it is prohibited for them to vote. Okay, so there's a halal view, there is a conditional view, and there is a haram view. Confusing, right? Uh, let's get some answers. Uh, my name is Muhammad Fadl. I teach law at the University of Toronto Faculty of Law. Dr. Muhammad Fadl is an associate professor and Toronto Research Chair for the Law and Economics of Islamic Law at the University of Toronto Faculty of Law. Okay, Dr. Fadl, um, what do you think of the ideas or the arguments that um, democracy is impermissible in Islam or it is almost shirk? I mean, I, 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 they, you know, I, I hear these kinds of arguments. Um, I don't know what exactly to make of them because they're kind of, um, uh, for lack of a better term, um, they don't seem to have any basis in reality. They're fantasy. Uh, it's the only it's the only way I can put it, but it's a, it's a kind of fantasy I think that that can be seductive to people because it sounds at first glance correct. Well, you know, if you're a Muslim and you believe in God, then you should follow God's law. Then where is this where is there for where is this place in democracy for making human beings in charge of law? I mean, that's sort of the argument, right? Okay, so what's the answer to this argument? Now, what, what, what these people are trying to say is that a legitimate government is that government whose rules are formed through simply um, application of divine law, that they don't claim for themselves the right to make law uh, for their own affairs. Okay, now, I think the problem with this is that it completely misunderstands the nature of Islamic law, right? So Islamic law does not cover everything, right? There are certain basic things that are part of Islamic law, 
but there are a lot of things that Islamic law does not cover, okay? And so what do we do about all those things, right? What, what are the examples? Um, okay, like for example, how would we, how, what kind of rules are we going to use to govern traffic? What kind of rules are we going to use to govern, you know, um, access to organ donations? Are we going to allow organ donations in the first place? I mean, almost everything that you can think of, right, on a day to, uh, in your daily life is governed by rules for which there's no rule from Revelation, right? Okay, and so that's, that's one problem. But even more fundamentally, how do we choose our own leaders, right? Even if we, even if we knew with 100% certainty, right, what the content of divine law was for every single case, which we don't, right? But if we did, how would we choose who would be our rulers, right? How would we choose who would be our judges, right? We would have to have some kind of rule, at a minimum, telling us who those people are, right? And so if, if, we, can't, if, we, can't, if we can't come up with those rules on our own, then even if we had perfect knowledge of what divine law was, we couldn't apply it. But isn't there a difference between legislating and um, administrating laws? I mean, I think that's the argument here. Yeah, I can hear you. Well, you know, I don't understand the difference, right? If, if um, why is, for example, requiring me to not go more than 100 kilometers an hour, why is that not legislation? I don't understand, right? What makes that not legislation, right? Um, you know, as opposed to, I guess, having elections every four years, that's legislation. I mean, it seems to be a very arbitrary distinction that they want to make here, that something called administration is okay, but legislation is not. I mean, it's not a very tenable, uh, distinct, uh, it's not a very clear distinction. In a case of a Muslim society, right, that's or, that organizes its affair through democratic procedures, Right. The values of Islam are going to identify the basic laws of that society, right? And so the, those basic laws aren't going to be subject to democratic voting. So there's a, something in you know in every sort of polity. There's a kind of idea of a basic law. At least if you're, we're not talking, yeah, if we're not talking about a totalitarian state, right? There's a higher law, a basic law, that exists sort of above the ordinary rulemaking activities of the legislature. Right? The legislature only exercises power within the scope delegated to it by the basic law. Right? And so um, there's no such thing as a, as a theory of unconstrained democracy that anybody in the world defends, like any reasonable person defends. So every kind of liberal democracy, for example, has standards that limit the power of the people to make laws, right? So the Canadian Parliament can't make a law tomorrow putting Muhammad Fadl to death, okay? Um, does that mean it's not democratic? I mean, some people might say it's a paradox of democracy, that constitutions are a paradox from the perspective of democracy because it limits the power of the people. But, you know, from our perspective, it's because... Uh, democracy is only operational when it's under the protection of a higher law, right? And in the case of Islam, in the case of Muslims, that's the Sharia, right? So the Sharia forms our basic law, 
right? It, it sets certain boundaries of what a Muslim community can and cannot do, right? But those boundaries, those are boundaries are just boundaries. It doesn't tell you what to do inside these boundaries, right? So you have a certain domain of freedom, and you have to have some sort of means of, of deciding how you are going to exercise your collective freedom, right? So are we going to do it through democratic, deliberative means, or are we going to do it through the barrel of a gun? Right? I mean, that's really the bottom line. What you're speaking about here is a democracy in a Muslim society. How about us living in the West? We participate as citizens, and we, we try to um, use our best to determine what the public good is, and we, 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 we strive to achieve it. I think that's basically our role. But what if the those whom we have uh, voted in legislate laws that are anti-Islamic? I mean, what if they make? Um, I mean, the example of alcohol and uh, other laws that are un-Islamic are present. We're not under an obligation to impose Islamic law here on people. Number one, number two, right? Nobody is forcing us to drink alcohol. <laughs> I mean, that would be a different thing if they're making laws that are forcing people to buy alcohol or to drink alcohol, right, that would be a big problem, but it's not, right? Um, so, again, I don't see this as a, as a big problem. Dr. Fadl, it was a pleasure speaking to you. Thank you so much for speaking to us. Okay. So, we've reached the end of this podcast, folks. The Double IT Podcast Hour is produced by the Islamic Institute of Toronto Media Team. That is Tahmeed Shadman, Mohammed Yassin, Hussam Al-Akbari, and myself. For more of our podcasts, please visit our website, islam.ca, and subscribe through Apple iTunes, Podcast Addict. From all of us here at the Islamic Institute of Toronto, my name is Mamun Hassan, and see you soon. Assalamu alaikum.